Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sports Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sports Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. You there? Hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. We are well and have had a great sporting week. Happy 100! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. How you going, Glenn? <laughs> Yeah, not not too bad. Yeah. 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 So Gosh, yeah. What an achievement, eh? Yeah, one hundred episodes. We've been we've been going as long as Tony Martin's um, podcast. Um, was it really? S- Sizzle Town. He's been there for about three years or so, but he's only up to about sixty third episode. But he only does it about one, oh, okay. once to twice. Yeah. A month, but there's a fair bit that goes into yeah. it. His, his scripts then does all the character voices and puts it together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I I listen to Case File, and that's over. That's about two hundred and fifty now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but still a hundred. Gosh. Well, it's actually more because when you think about it, we're doing Shaky's Corner first of all, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We did. Oh, Probably ten episodes of that, yeah. and then, yeah, I came up with, you know, I expressed some interest in doing my own one. And I was thinking about, oh gosh, what what am I going to do? Yeah, and it just came into my head. Well, I know uh, a lot about sport. Yeah, yeah, and some history and yeah. yeah so, uh, gosh, hundred. Mm. How about that? Yeah, yeah. A, a, t- a ton they call. So how's your what? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 not too bad. Um, just had some lunch out in the veranda, nice and warm. The butcher bird came out yep. to attack me lunch, and I left the fire screen oh, door okay. open and it came inside. <laughs> so they're coming and chasing yeah. me out. Yeah. <laughs> the wildlife in the bush. Well, it's that time of year, isn't it? Yeah. Well, butcher birds attack all the time, don't they? They're buggers. It's magpie swooping season. Yeah. Yeah, but the magpies around yeah, here. Thankfully, I. have been good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no. The f- yeah, I went for a walk earlier and there was one there. Mm. I, I was thinking, oh, don't, do, don't attack me, don't attack me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when, when, yeah. when I lived here and I was younger, the, we had the magpies. Magpies here, of course, and um, I used to feed them. And then I was walking up, yep. <laughs> I was walking up the driveway because the driveway is fairly long, and he started to come down and shoot me. And I and I um, yeah. I turned around and looked at him, and he started to like try and fly backwards. <laughs> when he realised who it was. <laughs> he started to flap backwards like this to stop him from coming towards me. 
Because you've yeah. got yeah. Yeah, because yeah, even, even like I'd have Chinese. <laughs> I'd have having Chinese in the sun one day and there was some rice left over and bits and mm. pieces with the special fried rice. And he, he, I just put the plate aside yeah. and he just sat on the table with me and just cleaned my plate off with the fried rice and all that. In that. Fair income. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, I remember when I was a kid, I was walking the cricket training. Yeah. I got attacked by about three or four at once. Yeah. So I've had them this time of year. Oh, yeah. I just have a massive fear of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Beware the magpie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was good, great to see the swans beat the magpies. Yeah. Oh, what a game that was the yeah. other night. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney was leading the whole game. And had a big lead at three-quarter time and Collingwood just stormed back and came within a couple of points and Sydney just held on by the skin of their teeth to get through to their yeah. through to the grand final. Uh-huh. The AFL grand final. They're gonna be playing Geelong. Geelong. It's gonna be a big, big ask to beat them though. Sydney Swans versus Sydney Swan yeah. versus Geelong. Yeah. So Yeah. It's Geelong been, had just been the best team all year. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. I'll have to look up. I haven't seen it for a while to see how the the ladder end up finishing off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it's good to see all those Collingwood supporters go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. With frowns on their face. Yeah. I don't mind the Collingwood players, it's just the supporters. Yeah. I think a lot of people in Australia are like that. <laughs> yeah. Because they're quite a, quite a breed, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. But no, Para play um, North Queensland on Friday night in the NRL in the prelim. Yeah. Um, but I just think whoever wins that game, see, they, they play, see, the grand final is the other prelim final. That's Penrith and South Sydney. Uh, and they, those two teams are just head and shoulders above anyone else at the moment. And uh, so they're the two teams that played in last year's grand final. Uh, yeah. um, but the way that it worked out with the draw in the finals, yeah, um, yeah, they play each other in the prelim. Yeah. So whoever wins out of Penrith and South, say, lay down Mazair to win. Uh, beat North Queensland or Para in the yeah. final. Yeah. But um, they just such so they just got so much firepower, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, be good to see Para get free, but it's going to be tough winning up there. Yeah. In Townsville. So. Oh, yeah. Now, did you watch a funeral last night? No. 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 Oh, yeah. I watched bits of it. I was yeah. quite impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, 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 yeah, just yeah. the way it was done and the amount of respect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Very sad. But yeah. She was a wonderful queen and yeah. she'll be greatly missed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just moving back to our – so what, what are some of your favourite moments from the last hundred episodes, Glenn? Oh, just some of the maybe we we didn't record them or, or I edited them out. 
just the stuff ups that you yeah you mm. used to do <laughs> get things wrong or oh, yeah. start laughing or something. <laughs> I think I did start to lead There's them in. There's been a fair bit of that. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not there in front of you, the poor faces anymore, so. Yeah. But no, it's been. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's been good. Start up at the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, Who's been your favourite? Where are they now? Oh, well, I've had time to think. Yeah, there's just so many yep. really good ones. Yeah. But I remember that well, time. Well, we've got an interesting one today. Yeah, but I remember that time we recorded an episode and then I went back, I went um, back to, to edit it, start editing it. And it disappeared and I couldn't find it. But it, it, minim- oh, yeah, it minimised right. in the, um, down in the track. And I think you were down talking yeah. to Samantha and that. And I came down and said, oh, I found <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, uh, it was actually, you know, you you came up with a good idea of the who am I and the where are they now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I've really enjoyed researching it. Yeah. You know, and each time and, uh, yeah, it's just been fascinating. Yeah. And just the different themes that come up. Yeah. All and, um, yeah. you know, we've got some interesting ones coming up in the next <coughs> few weeks. Yeah. Especially, pardon me, but, um, <coughs> yeah. No, but I, I miss the, uh, you know, we, we did like the 50 years, like it, because it was 50, Paul's 50 years of sporting memories to start off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we covered different years yeah. each time, and yeah. that was great going back in history. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'm talking about reliving yeah, mm. movies and songs of that era. Yeah. Yeah. Sporting events. And, and remember yeah. this? Uh, Remember the 80s, 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 80s? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they did the draw, the draw for the next next episode. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's but, um, no, it's been great fun. Yeah. yeah. So you, have you got a slap at all? A slap at all? Oh, real estate. Slap of the week? My, real, still real estate? Yeah, yeah. still real estate. Still no reply about me, bloody Bond. I thought, yeah. Oh, still. Yeah. I've been checking your mailbox. There's just junk mail in there. Yeah. 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 I'll just let it fill up. Don't worry about checking it. Just let it fill up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. But um, now we'll just talk about some winners now. So... Patrick Cripps, he's from Carlton, and he won this year's Brownlow Medal. Yeah, so Brownlow Medal's, um, oh, it's the AFL's sort of best and fairest award each year. It's a very uh, prestigious award. Yeah. And, yeah, they held it, well, it was supposed to be tonight, actually, but they held it on Sunday night because of the Queen's funeral. So yeah, yeah. 
And another winner is uh, Leeds in Rugby League in the Super League competition in the UK. They've made the grand final. Now, their coach, Rowan Smith, he's an Aussie. He coached the North Devils to their premiership in the Queensland Cup last season. So he actually started coaching them for the first three or four games this year, and then he he uh, left the Devils and got signed by Leeds, who were going like an absolute bastard. Yeah. They were down the bottom of the table, and yeah. And uh, since he took over, they've uh, gone great guns, and they've made the Super League Grand Final. Going to be playing St Helens. Yeah. Um. So that's a great achievement. Cameron Smith, he won the Live Golf event, won a Live Golf event by four shots. Yeah, he's going well. And, yeah, oh, yeah. And now we spoke about a 13-year-old soccer player last week, didn't we, in the Australia Cup? Yeah. Yeah, the youngest uh, yeah, ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think he broke the record for the youngest uh, footballer yeah. in a senior um, competition. Well, we've got the youngest ever Premier League player. Yeah. Now, his name is, I'll get this right, uh, Ethan uh, Naranir. Gosh, I can't read my own writing here. Mm. Yeah, Norniri, I think his name is. Yeah. So he's 15 years of age. Yeah. And he's, he played for Arsenal on the weekend, yeah. EPL. Yeah. I'm just gobsmacked by that. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, like I've seen seventeen-year-olds uh, rugby league players. Yeah. You know, like Brad Fittler. He was in my year at school, and yeah. remember he started playing first grade when he was seventeen. Yeah. Um, but oh boy, fifteen years of age to be playing yeah. in that competition. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mm. with the, with my losers, I've got the uh, the U the USPGA versus the Live Tour. Yeah, uh, the war that's going on mm. and how Greg Norman's given up negotiating. And I, I think eventually they're both, you know, it's like World Series cricket and the ACB, eventually they're just both going to have to come together and call a truce. And Because yeah. I think, you know, it will get the stage where most of the players leave the PGA and go and sign with this lift tour. They have to, you know, if they're getting offered that amount of money. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another loser. Now, I've just heard this news, actually. Now, he's uh, British golfer Danny Willett. Now, I remember uh, oh, it might have been the, the, uh, the Masters in about 2017, 2016, 2017. Yeah, Danny Willett won it. Um, and he won it after Jordan Spieth had that meltdown. He Shot it like a quadruple bogey. Yeah. I think it was on the 12th hole. Yeah. And uh, Danny Willett, you know, that allowed Danny Willett to win. And, yeah, like he basically hasn't done anything ever since. And, yeah. and yeah, this PGA tournament in America, like he's never won a PGA tournament. Yeah. And he had it all wrapped up on the last hole. He had a free putt. He, he free putted from three feet, yeah, and he lost. <laughs> now three feet, all he had to do was two putt, yeah, and he's missed by about that much, yeah, yeah. 
Because his first punt went flying past the hole. And, yeah, so poor Danny Willett. Mm. And, yeah, another loser's the Cronulla Sharks. They went out in straight sets in the final series. Yeah. Yeah, just their defence, you know. They conceded over 30 points in both their games. You know, they, they shouldn't have lost that first final against the Cowboys. They yeah. yeah, they had that all wrapped up and yeah. And I knew they were gonna get flogged, you know, on the weekend mm. after that first game. Yeah. Um and <laughs> I'm gonna do it again. I can't help it. The <laughs> AFLW. Yeah. My favourite. Now these are the score lines and they these are the score lines every week, Glenn. Right. Yeah. You tell me if this is a national competition. Sixteen points to nine. Twenty-one points to sixteen. Twenty-six points to twenty-four. Thirty-seven points to seven. Now Port Adelaide versus Sydney. Sixty-eight points to two. Twenty-eight points to sixteen. Yeah. Now there simply just isn't enough talent to go around. Yeah. So. But I'll tell you what, yeah, like that, they, they they did play fairly hard. Yeah, that they did. Yeah, they did. They seem to have a lot of trouble kicking goals. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but but otherwise, I find it yeah that that the women's really get stuck in there. It's like what it used to like the men's used to be years ago. Yeah, ripping shreds off each other and getting stuck into it. Yeah, but it's all. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure to evolve and get better. Oh, the women's rugby league is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So on the topic of yeah, so on the topic of celebrating a significant milestone here on the Sports Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the well-known sporting milestones achieved over the years. Some that many thought were containable. So when you think of some significant sporting milestones, what comes to your mind, Glenn? Well, well, I was mainly just focusing on on the sportsman, and it's just the achievements of um, Adam Gilchrist. Yep. Yeah, both as a wicketkeeper and, and batsman, mm. and yeah, and just his attitude towards when he achieved the mark, when he achieved, achieved the milestone. Yeah, he just moved on. Acknowledged it, then moved on. I remember watching one one game where he, yeah, he brought up a ton mm. and yeah, acknowledged it, but then he just put the bat back down and just kept on smashing them around the place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. like um, yeah, you've spoken very pretty. Tell he's one of your favourite sports people. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've yeah. got his book there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, someone gave it to me for Christmas once, and yeah. I've never got around to reading it. Yeah. So I went for a university with his brother. Yeah. Uh, so um. Yeah. No, be an interesting read. I'll get around to it one day. Yeah. 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 Any other milestones? Um, not, not that I can think of at the moment. 
Yeah. I, 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 the, the, um, yep. the, one of the neighbours' dogs come and visit me. Yeah, up. well, yeah. what a... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> one of your neighbours' dogs? Yeah, slept on the front veranda last night. One of your neighbours' dogs? Yeah. Slept on the front veranda last night, I thought. Oh, okay. What sort of dog is it? Oh, it's sort of a... That, yeah. yeah, Heinz variety. But I wonder what the noise was. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently it goes around sleeping in different <laughs> places. Yeah. Looks like you got a new companion. Oh, yeah, you know, it only comes and goes when it wants to. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't really think of the Yeah, moment. so I generally, the first thing that comes to my mind, and we've spoke, yeah, but now we've spoken about this earlier this year, the, definitely the four-minute mile. And uh, Roger Bannister and John Landy yeah. fight it out. This is in the 1950s. Yeah. And, you know, for many years, you know, they just thought it was completely unachievable. Yeah. Minute mile. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah, when Roger Bannister broke it, um, he was the first person to do so. Like, they do it with ease now. Yeah. You know, they do it in their sleep, basically. But back then, you know, it was a massive achievement and, um, yeah, but it, it sort of proves to everyone, well, anything's possible, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. The, yeah, but the, no, mainly, you know, cricket. Yep. Yeah, yeah no, that's right. Um, the, you know, the, the, there's a guy that um, I follow called Bruce and he's a cell biologist and he talks about, you know, when someone broke the, f yeah, it takes one person to break the four-minute mile and and then, yeah, others follow. Yeah, then then they get quicker yeah, exactly. time to, 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 mm. to, to improve and do the mile in in the less time. Mm. I, actually, I reckon I, I did the, um, yeah. I, I reckon I did a, a one-mile, a one-mile um, run, bike ride in, in two seconds because years ago when I was young, I was riding home up the hill and there was a storm coming behind me and the bolt of lightning came down behind me in the paddock next door and I just flew up this hill. Yep. <laughs> I rode up the hill, which I could never ride up <laughs> normally, and I was just straight home and I reckon that only took me a couple of seconds <laughs> after having a bolt of lightning come up. Yeah? Yeah, behind me. Uh, yeah. It's amazing what adrenaline can do, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But no, like, if, it, if there's any sport that's well known for its milestones, it's cricket, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I was about 10 years old, and that famous Boxing Day test in 1981, 82, when Dennis Lilly he gained the most wickets in test history and yeah. bowled to Larry Gomes and yeah. Larry Gomes snicked it yeah. and Greg Chappell took the catch, second slip. Yeah. Might have been first slip or second slip. Yeah, um, yeah that was a great memory and, uh, you know, but now, like, that was about 355 test wickets. Like, I think the record now is 800 and something. Like yeah. the time or a littering. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but the greatest runs in Test cricket, you know, like uh, well, when Sachin Tendulkar broke the record, and I remember when Alan Border broke the record, and you know the most runs by an Australian batsman, and then he broke the world record, and uh, you know this is going back about thirty years ago. But I, I fondly remember Greg Chapel in his last ever Test match, and I was at that Test match on the first day, and I got his autograph. Um, this is in 1984, and he, he broke Bradman's record and scored that massive ton. And yeah, that was for he broke Sir Donald Bradman's um, for the most Test runs in Australian cricket. And he also, I think he yeah he took the world record for the most number of catches. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. In the field. Well, yeah. Well, but also Michael Phelps, the great swimmer, breaking Mark Spitzer's record of seven gold with the uh, most number of gold medals at the Olympics. And, yeah, point-scoring records in rugby league. Like I remember in 2001 I was at um, Parramatta game. Parramatta was playing the Cowboys. Uh, and, yeah, Jason Taylor, who was playing for Parramatta, he uh, – Kicked a penalty goal. I mean, a conversion after they scored and broke the record, the point scoring record for mm. rugby league in the national competition. And uh, heaps of spectators ran onto the field. And yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that was a very fond memory. But so, so would you call the lowest score a milestone? Oh, it's not a yeah. I guess so. It be, it's not a very good milestone to have, is it? I think the lowest test score is twenty four. I think by 20, New Zealand twenty six. Twenty six all out. Yeah, but but this is back in um, nineteen. But Australia nearly broke that record. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was twenty. Well, when Australia played South Africa in a Test match in Cape Town, yeah, yeah, this is going back uh, ten years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, they nearly broke that record by New Zealand. Like yeah. that, they were about nine for twenty-one, and they ended up getting all out for about forty-six, but it's only because. I forget who he was batting with, put on like a 25-run partnership. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the, um, the low score at 26 was... Uh, anyway. Yeah. That was um New Zealand team. Yeah, no, uh, there's all sorts of milestones, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. So... It's, Time. Yeah, well, I would have been in their early days when they first came into Test yeah. Cricket. Quiz? Okay. Uh, there was just something I found during the week that um, it, yep. when cricket in the early days, I, I haven't checked the facts, but apparently they, they bowled more um, underarm than overarm. It, wa it wasn't until the... Yeah, is that right? Until yep. yeah, the um, Australian Indigenous team went over that played England. That's right. That one of their bowlers yeah. was bowling mainly 
he was bowling over him all the time. And apparently from then on, that became the, the way the bowling cricket. Yeah, so that's, that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Yeah, well, that's right. But, you know, you, you, you watch them in tennis and Nick Kyrgios does his underarm serves and... So they've still got that going on in tennis, but no, yeah. it's all gone now in cricket. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's quiz time. Okay, so we have five questions this week, and they all relate to some well-known milestones in sport over the years. Right, so I'll read out the question once, and then we'll have our thinking music, mm. and then I'll give the answer. Right, question one. Now, we've spoken about this before. Who was the first man to run a non-wind-assisted sub-10 seconds for the for the 100 metres? Wake up. <laughs> and the answer is Jim Hines. Mm. Right, question two. It's a cricket question. Which cricketer scored the fastest one-day international 100 in 2015 and who was it against? Mm. And the answer is A.B. de Villiers. Now, it was against the West Indies. Now, he hit 100 in 31 balls. Uh. Bless my soul. Uh. He scored 149 runs in total of 44 balls in 59.3 minutes. Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> right, third question. What was the name of the swimmer who at the 1980 Moscow Olympics became the first man to break the 15-minute barrier in the 1,500 metres freestyle? On his way to gold. Okay, and the answer is Vladimir Selnikov. He was a Russian swimmer. Mm. Right. Fourth question. In 1972, what NFL team became the first and still today the only NFL team to go through the season undefeated? And untied. And the answer is the Miami Dolphins. Oh. Right. Last question. What is the name of the famous Aussie rules footballer who in 1999 broke Gordon Coventry's AFL VFL goal scoring record? And the answer is Tony Plugger Lockett. Mm. I remember I was living in the UK when that happened. And yeah. yeah. Okay. This week's Who Am I? Okay. So it's a bit tricky this one, this week. So I've spoken about him in a previous episode, but yeah, let's see if you can all remember. So. I was born in Cairo, Georgia, USA, in 1919, and I'm a former American baseball player. 
I'm famously known as the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball when I started at first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. Now, by doing so, I broke the baseball color line in which, according to Wikipedia, baseball players of African descent were excluded from American minor and Major League Baseball. Now, up until this time, racial segregation in professional baseball had relegated black players to the Negro Leagues. Now, when the Dodgers signed me, it brought an end to racial segregation in professional baseball. I went on to have a distinguished career, playing 10 seasons in the MLB and being the inaugural Rookie of the Year in 1947. I was also an all-star for six consecutive seasons and I won the National League Most Valuable Player Award in 1949 and was a member of the Dodgers side that won the World Series in 1955. Now, in 1962, I was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and since 2004, a day is named in my honour on April the 15th each year, in which every player on every team wears the number 42. Jeez, I never knew that. Mm. The number I proudly wore during my career. I passed away in 1972. My name is... Uh, at the end of the episode. Where are they now? Okay, so our milestone, where are they now are today. And this is uh, unprecedented. We haven't spoken about this sport really before. We're going to the world of gymnastics mm. and a very famous name. Her name is... Nadia Comaneci. Mm. Right. So she was born in Anesti, Romania in 1961. Now, Comaneci is a retired Romanian gymnast who won five individual Olympic gold medals. Now, at the 1976 Montreal Olympics, at just 14 years of age, Comaneci won, became the first gymnast to be awarded a perfect score of 10 at an Olympic Games. Yeah, so apparently when she was a kid, <laughs> she had heaps of energy. Uh. And she, um, yeah, she'd be doing all this gymnastics in her house and she'd break sofas and chairs. <laughs> <doing> <laughs> uh. So, yeah, Kominichi had a happy childhood, even though life at that time in Romania was hard because, remember, it was a, a uh, communist country. Uh. So there was very little freedom that mm. they had. They couldn't really you know, very little freedom of speech and what the government did, what they said you had to do. So she was an active child and her mother put her in into gymnastics to release her energy. Now, according to Amy Tikkanen in Britannica.com, Kominich was first discovered by coach Bella Corilli at just six years of age. Now, she first competed in the National Junior Championships in 1969, where she finished in 13th place. And the following year, she won the competition. So, mm. her first international competition was in 1972 at a junior meet for Communist Bloc countries. Now, she won three gold medals, and in 1973 and 74, Komenich was the all-round junior champion. Now, <laughs> I was bloody hopeless at gymnastics at school, Glenn. What yeah. were you like? 
I I didn't do sport at school. Uh, yeah, except PE yeah. P- and that and that. Yeah, but, but, but well, yeah. when I was younger in high school, I had a really good throwing arm. I could throw a tennis ball a fair distance. Mm. I could I could be down the oval, yeah. throw the ball. <coughs> It would go over the first lot of classrooms and then to the um, quadrangle. Yeah, just bouncing there. Yeah. yeah. There were two sports that I feared. It was um, gymnastics dancing. Yeah. Because I was absolutely useless at yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, when I, was, when I was in primary school, I remember there was myself and this other kid and everyone would make fun of us in, in PE because we were the only two kids who couldn't do a forward roll. Yeah. But one day I proved them wrong, and you know <laughs> what I did? <laughs> I started doing uh, – I, I said to myself, I'm going to show these kids. <laughs> I'm going to prove them wrong. And yeah. I started practising my for, forward rolls on my bed at home. Yeah. <laughs> and I was very – Happy to see the look on their faces when I was able to <laughs> yeah. do a forward roll. Yeah. But um, when I went to university and I studied to be a PE teacher, oh, my mm. life. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, I was hopeless at everything except the pommel horse. Yeah. Because I, I used to go to the gym all the time and I had really good upper body strength and I loved the pommel horse. Oh. And they reckon that's the hardest apparatus, yeah. basically. So. Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just in when they talk about all-round gymnastic events, so what that involves is the vault, the balance beam, the uneven bars, the floor exercise, the uneven bars, um, and combined exercises, which combine the scores of the other four events. So this is in the women events mainly. Yeah, so Kominich competed her first in, uh, senior international competition in 1975, and she beat five-time European champion Russia's Ludmila Turisheva, going on to win four gold medals and a silver. She won the American Cup in New York in 1976, where she became the first woman to perform a backward double salt from a dismount from the uneven parallel bars. Now, at the 1976 Olympics, Kominich received seven perfect scores and won gold medals for the balance beam, the uneven bars, and the all-round individual competition. Now, she won a silver medal as a member of the Romanian team and a bronze medal for the floor exercises. Amazing how she would f- she flew through the bars, swinging, twisting, and turning before landing still after a somersault dismount. Now, on the floor exercise, she was breathtaking, performing a tuck double back salto and a double twist to perfection. Now, when interviewed in 2011 by Madeline Morris from BBC World Service, Kominich reported that she felt she could have done better with her routine on the bars, and she never liked to look at her score, and while she was walking to the vault, the crowd suddenly went wild in applause and the electronic scoreboard came up as a 1, 1.00 because it meant to come up with a 10, but because there wasn't enough space on the board, it came up <laughs> as a 1. <laughs> now, the, yeah, 
<laughs> now, the device could not show a 10, yeah, because it was unprecedented in the history of gymnastics. Yeah. Then it was confirmed that Komenich had achieved the impossible, a perfect score of 10, and instantly became a global superstar. Yeah, because it's amazing, you know, like to this day, like when, and it comes up very commonly, you know, when someone does something perfectly or they got a perfect score, yeah. they say, oh, they got an idea, common itch. Yeah. So she's made herself very famous. Yeah. yeah. Now she had great focus and determination and she went on to become BBC Sports Personality of the Year. Now, after the Olympics in 1976, Komenich was named a hero of socialist labour by her country, and the song that was used to accompany her floor exercise was retitled Nadia's Theme. Have you ever watched that show, The Young and the Restless, Glenn? Uh, not for a very long time. <laughs> the, uh, the soap operas? Yeah. It's a beautiful theme at the um, end of the show. Yeah. And uh, it's very relaxing. And that was yeah. named after her. Yeah. I never knew that. Oh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, there you go. So it became an international hit and won a Grammy Award in 1977. Now, around 10,000 were at the airport to meet her upon her return. Now, Komenich has had... She had a difficult lead-up to the 1980 Moscow Olympics. Now, she grew taller and put on weight and finished fourth in the World Championships in 1978 and was out of competition for most of 1979 with an infected hand. However, at the 1980 Olympics, Komenich won gold for the beam and the floor exercises in which she tied with uh, Nellie Kim of the USSR. Now, she won a silver medal as part of the Romanian team and tied for silver in the all-round competition. Now, Komenich published an autobiography in 1981. It was called Nadia and retired from competition in 1984 because she retired because she said, you know, she didn't have any more. She felt she didn't have any more to achieve. Yeah. So, yeah, so at the 1984 um Los Angeles Olympics, and I remember this now. See, America and a lot of Western countries boycotted the Moscow Olympics in 1980 yeah. because of the USSR's invasion of Afghanistan. Uh. And in 1984, the, the Olympics uh. were in America. And, yeah. yeah, USSR and all these communist countries all boycotted, yeah. um, you know, retail, you, you know. Um, but yeah, Romania was the only communist country that went that went to the Los Angeles Olympics, uh, yeah, which was a, a brave thing to do. Um, yeah, so in 1989, Komenich defected to the United States. She left the then communist regime Romania, which went through a revolution in 1989 and resulted in the execution of longtime Romanian Communist Party General Secretary Nicolae Ceausescu and his wife Alina, and the end of 42 years of communist rule in Romania. Yeah, I remember that. It was just after I finished my high school certificate in Year 12. Yeah. yeah. So in 1996, 
She married American gymnast Bart Connor, who scored a perfect 10 himself at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. Now, she became a US citizen in 2001, and she's a dual citizen and has maintained her Romanian citizenship. Now, Comanich first met Connor in 1976, and during a Romanian, it was during a Romanian gymnastics tour. The tour was called Nadia's Tour to the US, where the team shared a bus with the American team. And she met Connor again. Gee, she was in the right place at the right time. Well, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So her coaches, Bella and Marty Carroly, defected to the US on the last day of the tour, as did the choreographer. Now, Komenich was tempted, however, to go back to Romania, you know, because she had all the family there. So she um, decided not to go. So life was very difficult for Komenich when she returned to Romania. She was considered a national asset by the country and was constantly monitored by officials who feared she would leave the country. Now, Komenich was not allowed to leave the country. Now, a few weeks before the Romanian Revolution, Barbara Fisher and Jennifer Isbista, as mentioned in their book, Gymnastics Greats, Komenich defected one night with a group of other Romanians led by Constantine Panay. Panay, yep. So they crossed the Hungarian-Romanian border, mostly on foot and at night, and travelled through Hungary and Austria and took a plane to the United States. So it's a very brave thing to do. So with her husband, she promoted gymnastics and published a book in 2003 on mentoring called Letters to a Young Gymnast. Now, in 1993, Komenich was inducted into the International Gymnastics Hall of Fame. Now, to this day, Komenich is the only woman to have defended her Olympic balance beam gold medal. Yeah, so um, apparently, yeah, it took a while for her to get her gold medals back because she left them in Romania. <laughs> left them in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think, um, yeah, it was her brother who organised for them to be sent to America. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, and she, she found it very difficult to trust people once, you know, when she moved to America, um, yeah, she just wouldn't trust the police because the police in Romania were just ruthless, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she uh, took a, you know, it was a real culture shock for her to move mm. from a communist country where there was bugger all freedom to America where there was, you know, the land of the free. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it took her years and years to adapt. Yeah. So let's have a look at Nadia Komenich today. Now, she's a stunningly beautiful woman. Yes, she is. And she's now 60 years of age and doesn't look anything like it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, she certainly looks brilliant for her age. Yeah. Very attractive woman. Now, she lives in Oklahoma with Bart and her son Dylan. Now, she's still a well-known figure in gymnastics and serves as the honorary president of the Romanian Gymnastics Federation. So that's great. She still has ties to a country, you know, and she's yeah. giving back. So she's a sports ambassador for Romania and is the honor honorary president of the Romanian Olympic Committee. Now, Komenich is also a member of the International Gymnastics Federation Foundation. 
Now, with her husband, they own the Bart Connor Gymnastics Academy, the Perfect 10 production company, and also own several sports equipment shops. Now, they are also editors of international gymnast magazines. Now, Alison Mutler in Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty reports that up until now, Kominich's life in communist Romania remains sketchy. However, in the recently released book Nadia and the Secretate, written by historian Stejarel Olaru, it talks about the dark secrets, constant surveillance that the dictator Ceausescu used to keep tabs on Kominich, who for him was proper propaganda gold and for his country. Now, the book details the abuse, the abuse Komenich and other young Romanian gymnasts were subjected to, which included beatings, name-calling, and the lack of food provided to keep the gymnasts extra slim. Now, the book draws mainly on declassified files of the infamous communist secret police and Komenich's Risky Escape in late 1989. Now, the book details how medical treatment was sometimes denied to sick and injured gymnasts and even when water was uh, rationed. Now, Coach Bella Coralie often employed such measures and did not accept compromises. Now, in the book, George uh, Gorgoy, who coached Kominich from 1978 to 1980, mentioned that it was necessary to keep the girls' under girls weight under control to meet the demands of the sport. Now, he later immigrated to Israel and then the US in the late 1980s. So, yeah, Nadia doesn't like talking much about, you know, those days uh, yeah. when she's asked those questions about uh, what happened in Romania, um, yeah. you know, and how, how her... You know, I think she does admit that it was a bit over-exaggerated. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can tell, like, it, it brings back bad memories for her. Yeah. Uh, now, Gorgoy says Carol uh, Lee had no heart. Now, quote, he said he had no heart and was very greedy but was a very good coach and very tough preparing the girls for competition, end of quote. Now, Kominich and other gymnasts would be beaten by Carolee uh, when they didn't have the right weight for competition. Now, Kominich would be called the champion cow and other names. So, yeah, very mean. So sometimes officers would sneak food into the hungry, hungry gymnasts. They were so hungry sometimes they ate toothpaste. Officers would have to watch the gymnasts to ensure that they did not drink water from the toilet. That's very sad. Yeah. Now, Kominich appears to have made peace with the uh, Carolies, who now live a quiet life on a ranch in Texas. Bella Coralie now has Alzheimer's disease. She inspired a generation of gymnasts who many strive to do the impossible, which Kominich achieved. Former coach Gorgoy sums up Kominich very well. He says, quite in sport, every now and then, a genius appears. She is the genius of world gymnastics. End of quote. Uh. And that's the story of Nadia Komenich. Uh. 
an absolute sporting legend. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What do you th- What do you think about her story, Glenn? Yeah, yeah very interesting. Yeah, from from the country mm. she came from and what she achieved, it's very inspiring. Yeah, it just goes to show you. Oh, very. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the country in all the situation. It can, yeah, with determination, if you want to make your dreams come true, you just keep at it. And eventually you get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah very well said. Mm. Okay, so we'll look at some other milestones by teams and athletes now. So... As I said before, cricket's known for its milestones. So I'm going to talk about Sri Lanka. Right, so Sri Lanka, they got the highest innings total. Now, the highest test score they achieved when they scored six declared for 952 runs against India at Colombo in 1997. So they went past the previous record set in 1938 by England who scored seven declared for 903 runs against Australia at the Oval. Now, India, it was a high score and match this one, Glenn. India scored eight declared for 537 runs in their first innings. Now, Sri Lanka's Sanath Jayasuriya, he scored 340 runs and then picked up three wickets for 45 for Sri Lanka. And Moshan, uh, Roshan Mahanama, 225 runs he scored, and it was in a world record partnership of 576 runs. Jeez, I would have loved to have batted on that wicket. Yeah. It would have been like batting on the M1, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was exceeded by Kumar Sankakara <laughs> and Jaya Wardena, who put on a partnership of 624 runs. Yeah. Now, that was against South Africa in Colombo in 2006. To uh, Crick Info. Now, Aussies Bill Ponsford and Sir Donald Bradman, they held the record for years. They set the record partnership way back in 1934 when they put on 451 runs together. Now, that long standing record was broken in 1991 by New Zealand's Martin Crow and Andrew Jones against Sri Lanka, who put on 467 runs. So that's a good score for a whole team, <laughs> like, let yeah. alone yeah. just to a partnership. Yeah. No. yeah. Right, the great Brian Lara now. We're going to talk about him. Yeah. Now, the great West Indies batsman scored the highest individual score in Test cricket when he scored 400 runs against England in 2004. Now, he broke the record of 380 runs by Aussie Matt Hayden just six months earlier, who scored 380 against Zimbabwe. Now, Lara's the first man to score a quadruple century in Test cricket. Now, 10 years earlier, he broke the record for the highest individual innings when he scored 375 runs against England in 1994, thereby broke the Garth Sobers record. Now, Lara also has the highest individual score in first-class cricket with 501 not out for Warwickshire against Durham in 1994. And according to Ali Martin in The Guardian, he's the only cricketer to have scored a quintuple, quintuple 100 
in the history of first class. Now, Jim Laker, he became the first bowler in test to take all 10 wickets in an innings against Australia at Old Trafford in July 1956. And he followed up, followed it up with nine wickets in the second innings. So he had a game to remember. Next session, Tendulkar. Uh. He was the first batsman to play 200 test matches when he mm. retired in 2013. Yeah. Now, he made his test debut in 1989 when he was like 16 years of old. And he finished with 15,291 runs. His highest score, 248 not out, and he averaged 53.78 with 51 centuries. Bless my soul. Mm. And Matai Muraliteran and Shane Warne, the spin twins. Now, Murali has the most number of test wickets, 800 wickets from 133 tests. So he went way past 55. Now then Warney, he came in next with 708 wickets from 145 tests. Now Warney held the record there at one stage, the world record, till he retired. Now West Indies' Courtney Walsh was the first bowler to reach 500 test wickets. Now the first 400 in a one-day international. Now this milestone was first broken during a very notable match between South Africa and Australia with both teams passing 400 runs in an innings at Johannesburg. Now, Australia batted first and scored four for 434, and you think you're home and hosed after you get that amount of runs. Yeah. But not South Africa scored, <laughs> scored the runs nine for 438 with one ball to spare and one by a wicket. Gosh, I'll never forget that game. Mm. Yeah. And the first 200 in a one-day international, Sachin Tendulkar achieved that when he scored 200 not out against South Africa in 2010. Gosh, what a player he was. And then fellow Indian player Verinda Sawag, he broke the record in uh, a year, one year later when he scored 219 runs against the West Indies. And India's Rohit Sharma, he holds the record at present for the highest ODI score with 264 runs against Sri Lanka in 2014. Now, the highest ODI score by team was by England versus the Netherlands in June this year when they scored four for 498 runs, breaking their previous record when they scored six for 481 against Australia in 2018. Right, now, this guy, I hadn't heard of him before. His name's... Uh, Ricky Henderson, I, I know uh, Americans would have um, heard of this bloke. Now, he's a retired American professional baseball player who played 24 seasons in Major League Baseball for nine teams from 1979 to 2003. And his nickname was the Man of Steel. Now, he holds the Major League record for career stolen bases. Runs, unintentional walks, and lead-off home runs. <laughs> There's a photo of him um, on the Facebook page holding a base above his head. Uh, now, he holds the single-season record for stolen bases. So he scored 130 stolen bases in 1982, and he's the only player in American League history 
to steal 100 bases in a season, a feat he achieved three times. Now, the great Usain Bolt, now he broke the 100-metre world record twice. Mm. According to the BleacherReport.com, he broke the record at the 2008 Beijing Olympics with a time of 9.69 seconds. Yeah. Eight coasting to victory and celebrating early. Uh-huh. Now, Wayne Gretzky, the great ice hockey player. Now, in 1982, he became the first player in NHL history to score 200 points in one season, a mark that was also once considered unreachable. Now, he would go on to break the 200 points three more times in his career setting a new record of 215 the last time. Now, Mario uh, Lemur is the next closest with 199. Just shows you what a great player Wayne Gretzky was, one of the all-time sporting greats. And tennis great Pete Sampras, he spent 286 weeks. And that's I worked that out. That's around about five and a half years as number one men's tennis player. Yeah. In the world. Now, Roger Federer, he fell short by just one week with 285 <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Now, Osas, he's a, <laughs> he's a former American 400-metre hurdler, and he won 107 consecutive finals between 1977 and 1987, and he gained a couple of gold medals and four world records away. And I think the first time he, he got beaten when that streak ended was the final at the Olympics. Yeah. He got beaten. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, he was amazing. Now, I've spoken about this bloke, Will Chamberlain. Now, he's a very famous basketballer. Now, in a game for Philadelphia Warriors in 1962, he scored an incredible 100 points in their win over the New York Knicks. And he so and they won the game one hundred and sixty nine to one four seven. So it's a very high scoring match. But according to nine.com.au, this legendary record still stands today. Amazing. Mm. And yeah. Australia in the Americas Cup in nineteen eighty three, when they came from behind to win the Americas Cup. Yeah. Former where are they now, aren't they, Glenn? Yeah. Australia 2 and its crew. Yes. Yeah, they broke the longest winning streak in sports history. And it was set by America and the New York Yacht Club. What a day that was that morning in September. Yeah, and We got up early and saw them cross the line. Yeah, very. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Now, this guy, his name's Tony Hawk. Now, he's a trainer in skateboarding. And the first person to land a 900. Now, he rotated himself and his board two and a half times through the air above a vent ramp in 1999, and he helped make skateboarding a mainstream sport, and it is now an Olympic sport. Yeah, and remember last year, a young Aussie, 18 years old, he won the gold medal yeah. at the Olympics. First yeah. time it was had ever been in skateboarding. Yeah. And... Yeah, just looking at it's called the Astrodome. Um, so 1964. So just look, you know, we, we had an episode on technology and sport, 
Yeah. You know, um, some technological advancements. And, yeah. But in 1964, Major League saw the first roofed and astray turf venue. And it started a new standard in stadiums with sports around the world, mm. no longer having to be cancelled due to the weather. Yeah. yeah the, the only roof stadium in Australia, well, Rod Laver Arena, the tennis arena there, yeah. you know, where the Australian Open is, that was the first one. But it was um, Dockland Stadium, Oval Stadium. Mm. Um, yeah, that became the first, you know, great big stadium with a roof on it. Yeah. I've been there twice with the roof, so it's amazing, that stadium. It's a real sight. Mm. Uh, yeah, so ESO dedicated fully to sports when they were launched in 1979. And people didn't think it would work, but now it's just a part of life. And we installed at Southampton's uh, uh, football stadium, yeah, the Southampton Football Club Stadium in 1951. So this is um, floodlights. Yeah, and that first came in. Uh, and, yeah, first came in in 1951 with the Southampton Football Club. Yeah. And now just about every stadium, yeah. I think every stadium in the world's got floodlights now. Yeah. Now, Jack yeah. Johnson, now he became the first... African-American heavyweight boxing champion in 1908. Now, he was nicknamed the Galveston Giant. Remember that song, Galveston, Glenn? Yeah, sure do. By um, Glenn Campbell? Yeah. Yeah, Galveston, oh, Galveston. <laughs> if you go on YouTube, you can see those video clips of um, Jack Johnson when he came out and fought Tommy Burns at... Um, Sydney Stadium. Oh, it doesn't yeah. exist now, but, yeah. yeah, they've got footage there of um, Jack Johnson. Mm. It was probably the first real big international sporting event in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. But, um, that heavyweight boxing fight in Sydney, mm. yeah, all those years ago. Yeah. But it was very significant when you consider all the, the racial issues in America at the time. Yeah. Mm. Interesting story, Jack Yes. Yeah, Jack Johnson. So, yeah, with Roger Bannister, so 1954, so he was a medical student and he became the first runner, as we said earlier, to break the four-minute miles. So it's around about 1,600 metres. Now, God, I'd be lucky to ride a bike around it in that time. <laughs> now, before this, it was assumed this record would be absolutely impossible to break and it caught the public's attention. Now, according to foxsports.com, Bannister was helped by two pacemakers around a cinder track in Oxford in three minutes and 59.4 seconds. <coughs> now, 46 days later, Aussie John Landy broke Bannister's record running three minutes and 58 sec seconds. Now, the current record is held by Hishamel Garuj. Now, he was one of our Who Am I's once. Um, he, now, he... He broke the minute mile. His world record is three minutes, 43.13 seconds. Now, this time would have seen El Garouj defeat Bannister by over 110 metres in 1954. So imagine um, El Garouj racing Bannister in 1954. Yeah. 
he would have won by more than a football field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the great, unbelievable, eh? Yeah. Yeah, how times change. Mm. So, Aussie Rod Laver. Now, Aussie Rocket Rod, he won the Tennis Grand Slam. So, this is all four Grand Slam titles. In 1962, as an amateur, and in 1969, as a professional. Now, he's the only player to achieve this feat, and it's an incredible feat when you consider Laver was banned from playing in Grand Slam events from 1963 to 1968 due to his decision to turn professional. Now, I've had a... Chat about this guy would have been probably last week or two weeks ago, Bobby Jones. Now, he's the only golfer to have won all four major titles. So that is the uh, the Masters, the US Open, the British Open, and the PGA in one year. Now he achieved this feat way back in 1930. So this would have been, you know, when they had the when the Great Depression was on. Now the feat has never been matched. Only Tiger Woods came close, winning four majors over 2000 and two, 2001, which was called the Tiger Slam. Mm. Now, Jones was very modest about such an achievement, saying, quote, first comes my wife and children, next comes my profession, the law, and finally, and never as a life in itself comes golf, end of quote. So how times change, you know. We've lived golf now. Yeah. Back in those days, I had to have a career as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he retired. He retired when he was about 30 years of age, this bloke. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he couldn't afford it. He had uh, to yeah, put his job and his family first. Good on him. Mm. Right. So Mike Powell, he was a former American long jumper who at the 1991 World Championships beat Bob uh, Beeman's long-standing long jump world record, which was set in 1968 at the Mexico City Olympics. Now, his jump of 8.95 centimetres went past uh, Bowman's by 5 centimetres. And that was another record that, you know, no one ever thought would be broken. And Zimbabwean golfer Nick Price and the great Jack Nicholas, they both hold the world record in a major for the longest held putt, which is 33.5 metres. And it was almost 30 years between shots. So, yeah, if we look at some rugby league milestones, some well-known ones, so Cameron Smith, so he's one of the greatest rugby league players of all time. Now, the Melbourne hooker who retired after their 2020 premiership win Holds the record for the most NRL games. So he played 430 games and was the first player in NRL history to play 400 first-grade games. Now, he's the highest all-time point scorer in NRL history when he went past Hazamel Masri. He scored 2,418 points, and he achieved that in 2019, breaking the record. Now, also, according to Gilbert Gardner in the Herald News, he holds the NRL records for the most goals kicked, so 1,295 goals. The most tackles made, he holds that record as well, 16,917, and the most grand final points scored, 
So he scored 44 points in grand finals. And he also holds the record for the most wins, 310. So if he doesn't become an immortal in the next few years, I'll turn it up for all time. <laughs> okay. You can't beat that. Yeah. What a legend. Mm. Yeah, but he used to get a lot of spectators offside, you know, because they always thought he had a way with the referees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could influence them a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hazamel Masri, he was a winger in the 1990s and 2000s. He played 317 games for Canterbury Bulldogs in the NRL. Now, he also played for New South Wales, Australia and Lebanon. So he played for two countries. Now, he's a devout Muslim and he's widely regarded as the greatest goal kicker in rugby league history. Now, he was a member of the 2004 Bulldogs Premiership side. And was a record six to- six times he was the top point scorer in a season in the NRL. So he scored 342 points in 2004. The most goals in a season, so 139 in 2004. So that was a wonderful year for him because, yeah, the Bulldogs won the premiership that year too and he scored a try in the grand final. Now, according to rugbyleagueproject.com, his goal kicking percentage was 81.97%. And if it wasn't, you know, the fact that Daryl Halligan was um, the Bulldogs goal kicker early in his career, yeah. he would have gone, he'd still hold the record today. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the St. George team in the 1950s and 60s, they, they won an incredible 11 consecutive New South Wales Rugby League Premierships yeah. from 1956 to 1966. Yeah. And no other team since has come close. Yeah, Paro from nine, yeah, they won three premierships in 81, 82, 83. Yeah. But, yeah, the Boston Celtics, they won eight titles in a row from 1959 to 66. Yeah. Now... The record for the highest score in a New South Wales Rugby League NRL game mm. was set in 1935. Yeah. And it was when uh, St. George, they defeated Canterbury 91 points to six. Wow. you got to think back in those days, tries were three points. Yeah. So if that happened today, yeah. it'd be like 130. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So just seven days later, the Bulldogs had their bottoms smacked again as Rex would say, Rex Mossop. Yeah. They were defeated 87 points to seven by Eastern Suburbs. Now, both St. George and East share the record that still stands today for the most tries in a match, which is 19. And Newtown and Canterbury, they played the only nil-all draw back in 1982. So this is the only scoreless game in history. I remember there was a Queensland Cup game about five years ago. It was Winner Manly and Tweed Heads, I think. And yeah. I turned it on at the end of the game and it was nil all at the end yeah. of the game. And I'm going, are they playing soccer or rugby league? Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Eastern Suburbs and Melbourne, yeah, both teams hold the record for the longest undefeated winning streak. Yeah. Now, Melbourne, they had 19 wins in a row in 2021. That was until Parramatta um, ruined their party. They they beat them to uh, stop them from getting the record that night. Mm. 
And Eastern Suburbs in 1975, they won 19 games in a row too. So no yeah. team has gone through a season undefeated since 1959 when St. George won 19 of their matches and had one draw. So they scored more than 40 points on six occasions in 1959. Mm. Um, before that, four other teams had achieved the feat of going undefeated in a season. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that pretty much covers it for milestones. We'll look at our Who Am I answer now. Uh, time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is Jackie Robinson. Mm. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'll give him a top five now for our milestone episode. Yeah. So in fifth place, I've got Nadia Komenich and Brian Lara. Time. Yeah. You gotta have Brian Lara in there for those records he broke. Yeah. And uh fourth place, I've got Wilt Chamberlain for his hundred point game. Yeah. And third place, I've got the great ice skater. I mean ice ice hockey player Wayne Gretzky. Second place, I've got Roger Bannister. Mm. And in first place I have Get ready for it. Yeah. Rocket Rod Laver. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Rocket. Yeah. Still going strong. Mm. Right. So with our next episode, um, yeah, I'm going to talk about what well, we spoke about Cameron Smith. He, he had a fairy tale ending to his career with Melbourne Storm winning the premiership. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some fairy tale endings yeah. for sports people and yeah. teams over the years. Yeah. So. Righty-o, Glenn, so mm. I've got something here. Okay. Look, <laughs> you see it? Yeah, I can see the top of it. Over the miles. Uh, now it's a light fruit cake. I'm going to light it up. Yeah. We've had a few gremlins in the line today yeah. with Paul's dodgy internet. Yeah. Here we are. Light it up. I hope I don't set the place on fire. <laughs> oh. There we are. I've got one there. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Happy 100 episodes, Glenn. <laughs> Blow them out. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> 50 for you and 50 for me. Yeah. Two candles on the cake. Yeah. And I can't wait to get stuck into it. Okay. But when I come down the sports shack in Port Macquarie, I'm going to bring you a slice. Okay. <laughs> a slice or two. Yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, look forward to next episode. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack, this special episode. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. G'day. It's goodbye. me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time.